Innovation districts are spaces where we want to make ecosystems uh, relevant for the future rather than just have box type uh, businesses where normally uh, if, if a developer comes in and they want to create commercial real estate, they'll, they will construct a large building so people can drive in to work in and out, go to work eight to five, drive out. If they want to create residential districts, uh, they want to create residential spaces, apartments, they'll create separate apartments, things of that nature. We're creating a holistic uh, space where you have live workplaces, workspaces. We are incorporating the natural um, topography and the natural culture that's existing, the buildings, the infrastructure, and repurposing them so that we are not losing the essence of the community because what we don't want to do is tear things down, gentrify, and build things to, to erase legacies, right? Innovative districts are people or, or groups and that that want to make things better, but want to ensure that Fort Worth understands the entire picture of the space and to welcome the existing community in. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Click on podcast, scroll down to this episode and other episodes, download on all the platforms, Spotify, Amazon, you name it, it's on there, YouTube. And then, of course, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, go to the homepage, click find a trusted professional. We'll make sure you get somebody that's there to look after your interest. But we're not here. Well, we're kind of here to talk a little bit about real estate today. Well, Maybe. Maybe that's a little part, bit. That's part of the that's discussion. That's part of the conversation. So my man, Matt Houston, welcome to the show. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Jeremy Spad, it's great to see you. Man, I, I, I always miss you. And we're going to talk about that. But I got to start with a joke, right? Only because my father-in-law said a year and a half ago when I started this that I must do a joke. So I do intentional bad jokes. Where do college-aged vampires go to shop? Wow. Hmm. College aged. Younger. Wait. Are they traditional students or non-traditional students? Oh, you're going way too many. You're going way into it. I'm a professor now, so I have to. You're asking a lot of questions. It's a dad joke. (laughs) I am in making your joke. You're elevating the IQ level. Right. No, trust me. This thing's so bad that the only people that will truly probably laugh at, at, at the response of this is people that are at the bottom layers of the IQ industry. All right. Tell me, okay. tell me, where do they go? Forever 21. Wow. Yeah. That's See? good though. No, but that's it's good. horrible. It's a horrible joke. It's a horrible <laughs> joke. I try, I try to do bad jokes because I know I'm not going to make it in stand up. You sure about that? No, 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 no. So, or as like many people say is I could probably, the, the largest audience I'll ever have will be at my funeral. That's because half the people that show up are going to miss me, and the other half are going to be there to make sure I'm dead. Well, I'll be part of the former. That's right. That's right. Because my man, Matt Houston, and I, we went to college together. Yes. We did our MBAs at TCU, right, which was the opposite of where he did his undergrad. Yes, I was on the dark side uh, at Southern Methodist University undergrad. 
Well, you know, not everybody could start off at TCU. I totally understand that. But you got there as fast as you could. Ah, okay. You got there as fast as you could. So not only did we do our MBAs together, we sat next to each other. And Matt had to make this incredible long drive. So our class weekends were every other weekend, mm-hmm. Friday to Saturday, 8 to 5, which meant Matt was probably getting up at 5 a.m. just to make that drive from over there on the other side of Dallas. Yeah. And then we wouldn't really finish up at 5 because you had team meetings, so we'd go real late. And so after the first few months, I was like, Matt, my house is like five minutes from campus. I was like, why don't you just stay at my house? Yeah. I want to thank, one, you and your wife for just opening up your house uh, to me like that because that was significant. One, I always would love to cram before class, and you can't do that when you're driving a couple of hours before class. Uh, But secondly, I I fell in love with your family, uh, your daughter, your dog. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> so and so it, it just really showed community and I, and I really appreciate you you opening up your house to me. Oh man. And it was great. And we would have a good time because we would sit around and have some drinks yeah. and joke around. And, <laughs> exactly. And you know, matter of fact, it was really funny as I was I was talking uh so Kevin Davis and I still talk on like oh, a deal. weekly basis, right? Good brother. And he, he was sitting there laughing. Oh, uh, we were sitting here talking uh the other day. And I was like, hey, remember when we got our 360 reviews back, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it comes back with, so you do this thing and you're rated by all these different people, your your customers, bosses, subordinates, peers, whoever. And they, they rank 25 competencies and they fall into one of four categories. The things you knew you were good at, the things you were like, yeah, I knew I wasn't good at that. And then, wow, people think I'm good at that. I didn't think I was good at that. And then clearly I'm proud of myself, but not everybody else thinks so category, right? But it was really, really funny. So I'm sitting next to Matt, and, and not just that because we're gonna we're gonna go through all this, right? So he'll, so Matt, at the time you were you were the president of the Black Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. in Dallas. And if you're not watching this, I'm not black. Matt black, Another and we're shocker. sitting next to each other, <laughs> and and so we two of the two of the things that came back, I was I, only because my ignorance, I didn't know what they meant. <laughs> Excuse me, was. My social agility, I don't remember how the ranking thing, let's call it zero to 100. My, my cultural agility was like a 98 out of 100, but my cultural sensitivity was like a two out of 100. Mm-hmm. And I said, Matt, I said, what does this mean? And remember, you sat there and you went, dude, your cultural agility is off charts. Like, you don't see color, you don't see gender, you don't see sexual, anything, you don't, religion, whatever. Like, right. you just see people as people. And I was like, well, that sounds like a good thing. And you're like, hey, man, growing up as a black guy in Dallas, I've never met a white dude like you. Like, that's pretty impressive. Facts. And I was like, well, yay me. I was like, what's the other one mean? He goes, it don't make you any less offensive. <laughs> I, I believe I said, you're still an asshole. Right. No, no, no. You're still an <laughs> asshole. You know, that's the reason you get away with the shit that you say. <laughs> But yeah, no, but it's good. But you're right. It, it, that experience just opens opens it up because it, at that class, I was the youngest. Yeah, that's in, right. In that in that cohort, and and I remember you all joked with me because I was the only class member that needed to get immunized before going to school because I was under thirty. And I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so so a lot. Kevin Davis would know this, and 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 the in the team. But I had to get. Shots, because if you were under 30, you had to get certain immunizations. And I just felt like a baby. And so I was wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. Um, I probably had some type of, you know, social. I knew I was the man. 
And then I, I walk into this this cohort of C-suite, junior C-suite, and entrepreneurs and executives. And I'm thinking, whoa, small fish, huge pond. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to be Maddie Houston, right? <laughs> and then I sit next to Jeremy Spann. I say, oh, wait. There's a Jeremy Spann next to me. Okay, well, this is going to be an, this is going to be an interesting ride. Let's see how this is going to turn out. And, and it was well. And I appreciate you. I appreciate our friendship. Yeah. I appreciate your perspective because uh, you helped my social agility. You helped me round out what 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 it is to be a resident of the North Texas region. And and you are a great representative of TCU. And so thank you. Well, and that goes both ways because at the time. I was Fort Worth PD, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, internal affairs of all things, right? Remember that? I remember. And, and, and so you and I, I mean, one of the things I always loved about our relationship is, is we always had real conversations, right? And it was like, hey, look, this ain't about getting wound up about anything else or all that. Like, hey, let's dive into this. Let's, let's you know, you, many of the things you and I would not agree on, but it was like we wanted to learn what each other's perspectives were with it, right? Exactly. Like, like, hey, help me see how you're seeing this and you mm-hmm. do the same thing. And I learned so much from that, not just sitting in the classroom, but every other weekend we're sitting at my house going through this stuff, talking. And that, and that was, that was a lot of value for me because I'm always curious about learning from other people because people, especially growing up in different environments. Right. And, and you learn, like I grew up, you know, I had my buddy Ricky on here the other day in uh, recording, you know, it's like, Hey, I didn't, I didn't, grew up in a, in a wealthy area or anything else is very poor, probably area. And, and at the time, especially in a part of town that, that we were over there living in. And, and it was like, so I had that perspective of growing up without money, but I also grew up in an area where the only people that weren't white were a handful of Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my best friend was a Mexican, Ricky Salas, that was on here. We went to the Marines together, whole nine yards. So I never even met a black person until I'd gone in the Marine Corps, which, by the way, was the best way to be culturally indoctrinated to to everybody because they treat everybody the same, right? right. They don't they don't care they don't care what color where you come from or anything else, right? And so, so it was really I, I really got a lot out of it, you know, and I did miss it once we well one we couldn't wait to be done with the program because wow it was just grueling, but at the same time. I know I personally missed it because of the relationships that we got out of that. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And, and there's there's no time like that when when you're able to, every other weekend, just have an intense two days of not only learning perspectives and different leadership and business qualities, but you're learning perspectives from other people. You're you're working in teams that is not in your workspace or in your family. And, and you just don't have that time to develop as an adult because you're either focused on work, you're focused on your kids, which I applaud people who were married, who had kids, who were going through graduate programs because I was single at the time. And it was a struggle for me just to balance all of those things. I can't imagine having a partner and not holding my weight in that space. And so to see experienced professionals balance that was, you know, inspiring to me. And so, yeah, that, that was a great time. That was a great, time, was. great learning experience. And our, our global studies trip was a oh, great man. time. Dude, are we, are we going to talk about, are we going to talk about Chile? Oh, we, we can talk about Chile. Okay. okay we can cool. talk about Chile. Okay. Now, let's cool. jump right into it. Okay. Are we yeah. going to talk about the couch? <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can talk about the couch in the elevator. 
Can we talk about that? We can talk about can that. Can we talk about the time we got kicked out of the hotel bar <laughs> for drinking too much of their alcohol? I think I think we depleted all of their alcohol. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think it was Rich Carlton. I think it was more of, hey, we don't we're not kicking you out because y'all are intoxicated. We're kicking you out because we have no more we have, alcohol. We have nothing left. You know, because here it is, you got 30 executives that roll in, and I mean, we destroyed their inventory. <laughs> destroyed. I, I've even got a picture somewhere. There was another restaurant we went to. Uh, I know what you know, is it? Because Will they they were they were bragging that Will Smith has a house here in Tom Cruise. What is it called? Yeah, I'm ah, trying to remember. I, we went there a couple times there. I remember yeah. this. Yeah, and then remember when we had all the like we ordered wine with dinner. Yes, and I mean, and I I've got a photo of it somewhere of like how many empty bottles. Tierra Masu. That's right. That was, the, that was a restaurant. That's right. Masu. That's right. And it just had these, these. I don't even remember how many bottles it was. I was sitting there going, man, I'm probably going to come back from this trip broke because <laughs> we had a great time on that we did. trip. I mean, it was a great globalization. It was a oh, great yeah, awareness yeah. Yeah. to understand the economy of Argentina, Chile, and Peru. Yeah. Um, we were able to see how entrepreneurs were resilient, especially yeah. in different types of political environments. But we also wanted to be practitioners That's of this right. as well. We wanted to go to the vineyards uh, in Chile. Support the support, support the local, local business. Come support on. Support the local, local business. Guy. Exactly. So Malbecs were amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so, but, but yeah, you're right. It was it was an amazing trip. It, it was, you know, and it's kind of funny is uh, I was sitting here thinking about this this morning when, you know, I was on hold yet again with PNC Bank dealing with all that mm-hmm. stupidness we were laughing about earlier. And I was like, man, you know, that was we we graduated over six years ago. That's how long ago. It was. Yeah, 2014. Like, wow. Yeah. Uh, it was all just. The time, it just, what happens to it? Matter of fact, fast forward in time, you're no longer a single man, are you? I am not. Happily married with a child on the way. Yes. So, yes, we're excited. Big daddy showing up to the house. Well, you know what I had to make sure I showed up, you know, whenever, whenever my number was called. So, Man, how excited are you about this? I'm thrilled. Yeah. And terrified at the same time. Oh, yeah. But but it's it's an amazing transition. Normally, those type of feelings, and as a, as a serial entrepreneur, whenever I have that type of fear, that means I'm doing the right thing, right? So and you want to hear something funny? What's that? Last weekend, I was up at Fort Collins, Colorado, where Maggie is residing. Oh, CSU. Well, kind of, she took a Wait, year she's off. in college? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, no, oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. Listen to this. I was there to celebrate with her, her... 21st birthday. Can you believe that? Time is flying. Like what like what happened? Like what happened, man? It just you wake up. I mean, like you come in here, you see me. I am just as gray as there is. And you know, you still look no different whatsoever. You That's my wife. My wife is my wife forced me to eat vegetables now. Oh, is that it? Yeah. And so it's like, oh yeah. You know you could get protein from plants as well. You, what? you don't just need it from steak. You know, oh, yeah. I was like, wait, what? what? Huh? Oh, okay. What? Anyway, pro, pro, What's she talking about, Willis? Shout out to, <laughs> to CC. Thanks, baby. Love you. Man, so, I, and, and by the way, like me, you 
completely outpunted your coverage there. Yes, you've seen her. Yo- oh, yeah, and yeah, And you yeah, heard yeah. her. Oh, yeah. She's so smart. She's much smarter than I am. I'm still taking notes and using oh. my thesaurus to make sure I keep up. That's the only way to do it is, is find somebody <laughs> – Find somebody who will tolerate you and is much smaller than you. That's what I did with Laura. Yes. Like, I got the, I got the, I got this good end of the stick on that one so much. Like I, <laughs> I, learned, to, I learned from you. Yeah. I, I look at her and I'm like, hey, seriously, you know, what what were you thinking? <laughs> That's what I tell her all the time. <laughs> like, like, man. And of course, Maggie, you know, she so she's got a um she had a high school boyfriend that I wasn't really crazy about. And then that finally ended after the first semester in college. And then about nine months ago, she started dating this boy from college. And I really like this kid. And, uh, and he's a good kid, right? He's just, he's funny. He's, he's quiet, but you know, he's, he, he studies hard, comes from a good family. And, and I, I like busting his balls hard, right? And I mean, I, I, I harass his kids. Oh yeah. 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 And, and so we were sitting at her, her, uh, birthday dinner. And I'm just laying into him, right? And Maggie had already told him, said, look, if my dad didn't like you, he just wouldn't talk to you. Bingo. Right. He just wouldn't, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even look at you or talk to you. But the harder of a time he gives you, the more he likes you. Mm-hmm. And so, but there was at one point we were sitting here at dinner. And he, he looks at Maggie and he's like, what the hell is wrong with your dad? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm like, hey, I'm sitting right here. I mean, there's nothing wrong with me. He goes, sir, I wasn't even talking to you. I'm trying to understand, like, how did you grow up with this? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So, but she's doing great. That's awesome. You know, war is doing great. Stella, we had to put Stella down a year ago. She just finally, you know, but she was 15. Okay. She was older and then just the hips gave out and I just, I couldn't see her suffer anymore. And, and man, it was it was uh it was a sad moment. You know, we were we were we were driving down to the vet clinic, you know, because obviously I know I used to raise and train service dogs. And so I had taken uh Stella out, out of any service capabilities to be Maggie's babysitter when Maggie was about thirteen, I think, because you know, if somebody was like, Oh, you didn't have a babysitter at the house? And I was like, No, and they're like, Why? And I'm like, Well, I got a Stella and they're like, Well, what does that mean? And I was like, Well, if somebody comes to the door, they're gonna think they met a blender until Matt Houston walks through the door and that damn dog would just roll over on his back. Thank you. And wait, like, you and, warned me. Yeah, I told you. I said, Look, hey, I have this dog. This I dog trained, I trained uh This her. dog is a train killer, Matt. <laughs> I said, okay. You walk in the door, that dog was your little hooker, would roll over crawling in your lap and i'm sitting there going well that was a waste of 10 grand on that damn thing <laughs> well still you know? sense my spirit i'm a lover it must have been it must have been it must have been <laughs> and then it was funny so we're taking her down uh to the vet because i had a specific vet i use because you know a lot of money invested in these dogs and uh, and we turn onto the road that's the final turn before you know it's still like another mile down I'm pissed off, right? You know, I park on the side of the road and I'm marching up and down the road, kicking rocks, just mad, you know, because I got to put my dog down. And and I get back in the truck and I was like, all right, let's go. And poor Maggie and Stella are sitting in the back. Laura's sitting in front. We get down there, right? And the vet comes in, brings in the forever flu shot. And, uh, you know, and everybody's crying. Even me, Mr. Unemotional, I was crying. You know, I was like, man, man, I had this dog, you know, for 15 years. And then finally I'm sitting there and I was just so angry that this was happening, I was like, God damn it, it's so much easier killing people than doing this shit. And 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 it, 
and 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 the vet and her assistant were like, Whoa? and then they look oh, at Laura and Maggie, oh, right? And they look at Maggie and Laura, and Maggie and Laura are laughing. He goes, <laughs> so the vet goes, oh, he's joking, and they went, no, that's why it's funny, is he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but it was just she was a good dog. She led a good life. And Lori goes, do you want to get another dog? And I said, hell no. Yeah. I said, man, I can't. I, I said, I don't want to do it. Plus, you know, we're empty nesters now and we like travel a lot more. Yeah. But she did. She did a year ago. Go get me a cat. And I've never been a cat person. Okay. My cat's name, Matt, is Hooter Smooch. Hooter Smooch? Hooter Smooch. Okay. Laura calls her Hooty Who. I call her my little smooches. Because I told her, I said, hey, I'm going to train this cat like a dog. I got that dog. I got that cat leash trained. I even got its own TikTok Cats channel. Cats are more vicious than dogs, actually. Oh man, this cat is sweet. Now, now she'll and, and we, you know, she'll clear your rodent problem. She'll be out there catching mice outside <laughs> Colorado, walking back in front of the door, like, look what I got. I trained her to get fist bumps, you know, so she does these little tricks, oh, that's awesome. you know. But so, and I was like, hey, with a cat, it's at least easier, you know. I, I you don't have to worry about letting that thing out fifteen times a day like you do a mm-hmm. dog. But anyhow, I digress. Let's come back to okay. Matthews. Let's tell the audience. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? How'd you get where you got now? Matt Houston, born and raised in Dallas, Texas, particular neighborhood Oak Cliff. I'm very proud. I currently reside in Oak Cliff. I'm a product of Dallas Public Schools from pre-K into 12th grade. Um, I was afforded a uh, a scholarship, an academic scholarship to attend SMU, where I majored in, in economics. And and I just want to do everything I can, not only to reinvest in my community, but also be one of the stakeholders to, to influence North Texas. And so I, I do that through my work, through economic development, through education, and through policy change. And so going, coming from a neighborhood, it wasn't a, I wasn't, in the hood, if you will, right? Oak Cliff is a very diverse area. Originally, before it was annexed to Dallas, annexed um, into Dallas, it was the 28th largest city in the country. Still, over 400,000 residents, Dallas residents, reside in Oak Cliff. It's predominantly African American and Hispanic, Hispanic and African American now. Um, in my particular neighborhood, um, so it's more Hispanic now. It's more Hispanic now than African American. And I grew up in a professional class working class African-American neighborhood. My mom is a retired school teacher. My dad was I a love banker. your mom, by the way. Oh, she loves you. And so I, I love I, that I'll lady. See, I'll see her after this. I'll you drive tell, back to that. We'll you do. tell her you saw me. We'll I do. love that lady. We'll do. Well, she, she allowed me to stay at your house. That's right. And I'm a grown man. <laughs> and I... <laughs> I still have to get that okay. I was like, hey, Mom, she was like, she was like, you have your own home. Why do you have to? I was like, Mom, just me, Jeremy. She 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 attended one of the. I think we had some something here at, at TC. One of oh, the welcome. No, days. the first time I met her was when the Dallas Business Journal was doing yeah. uh, what was it, thirty under thirty uh-huh. or something. Forty like under that. forty. Forty yeah. under forty. Uh-huh. And and you were re- uh, getting an award, mm-hmm. and and so me and a couple other, a couple other Mike Larson, Mike Field, I think yeah. there was one or two other people, and we went over there to support you in, Shannon, in yep. getting that. And that was the first time I met Shannon your mom. Fletcher was there, yeah. That's mm-hmm. right, that's right. And your mom is like, "Who is this guy?" Yes, it is. She's like, "I like him. It's crazy, but I like." Him. <laughs> 
<laughs> so no, no, you all, you all won, you won her heart, and so she was very comfortable, and 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 so, but yeah, in in Oak Cliff, I just, I just wanted to do my best uh, to reinvest. Uh, what my dad and my mom taught me, they taught me to dream big, they taught me to work hard, like be the best in whatever space that you're in, and once you do that. Give back, right? Whether it's in your community, which as an African-American male, I feel that it's my responsibility um, to build that ecosystem, not only through economic development, but also leadership development, because we are a, a, fact, a faction of America that when we all work together, we are making America a better place. Mm-hmm. And so once that's a healthy system, uh, we're able to we're able to thrive and we're able to be innovative and inventive like like America always has been and, and always will be, right? This is just, we were going to make it, but you have to have that mindset. And so they instilled that in me. And 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 with that, uh, I, tra- I translated that at, into SMU, where I started a company with uh, several of the classmates. We were at Chick-fil-A, one <laughs> right before class. And this is the time when Facebook, I'm dating myself now, uh, because <laughs> Facebook was starting. This is 2004. And instead of studying, we were trying to, you know, trying to figure out which are the cute girls at school. <laughs> uh, but we started a company called Group Excellence, which was a mentoring and tutoring company, just so that we can show kids in all spaces, rural, urban, elementary, middle, and high school grade levels that you can be great, right? You can be great. You can look cool. I thought I looked cool. And then you can excel. And so um, that was my, that was the start of my entrepreneurial bug as an, as an adult. And, and, all of those things serve my purpose, right? My purpose is to make sure collaboratively you can be confident in your own identity, support your family or whatever realm that supported you, and then contribute positively to society. And that's what, what allowed me to go to go to TCU because we sold Group Excellence in 2011, 2012. I stayed on until 2013, started my business, my another business, MLH Enterprises, in the middle of our cohort. Actually, and and I did hear a couple of your podcasts. Whenever TCU students, uh, EMBA students, um, come in, that entrepreneurial bug hits them, and and, and so I, it was it was really enlightening and it was really refreshing to start a new business so that I can then influence other realms in politics while providing infrastructure for political candidates to communicate their messaging through block walking, canvassing, but also going into development so that I can not only rebuild my community, but we can rebuild North Texas. We all know this is going to be a hotbed in the country. We have so many people entering. We have corporate corporations coming in. This is a hub across the across the country. We are the new Chicago, right? We are in the middle of the country. We have uh, great infrastructure. And it's really important that the residents and the businesses here are, are part of a part of that part of that machine. And so I just want to do my part and do that. And, and be able to be successful. Man, and I think I think that was, you know, one of the many reasons that you and I connected so well is, you know, we, we really focused on finding more on what we had in common and what our differences were, right? Well, it's too easy. That yeah. that's the easy way out. Yeah. If, if it you really wanna, is. if you want to be divisive. We we yeah. notice we know people's stereotypes. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. We we we've heard them. Our friends say it, right? Yeah. And and so if you want to enlighten yourself, if you want to be a better human being, challenge yourself by understanding people and by by fitting fitting your feet in their shoes. Yeah, and understand how that thought was derived. And if you can change a data point 
and maybe clarify something and say, oh, we do this because of that, not what you think, but it's really out of necessity. And that's our way of coping. Or is, well, we just didn't like, for example, for you, I just didn't know that's how you all thought. And just you telling me that, because I'm, I'm an African, there were three black students in our cohort. Yep. And so we always have a, a good a chip on our shoulder or we have to maintain a defensive posture because of the state of American society to our culture. Right. And so when we have someone from across the aisle, per se, dis, having a, have a disarming comment and gives us clarity of, oh, it's not a malicious way that you did that. It was just out of ignorance that you were willing to to learn from. That helps us work and work collaboratively and grow together. And that's the thing is, you know, I think if this country spent more time, you know, focusing on the things we have in common, you know, and, and like immediately you and I identified with each other having things in common. Mm-hmm. You wanted to help your community and I wanted to help my community, which was the veteran community. Exactly. Right. And we were both very passionate. And we both, matter of fact, I learned so much from you that. I said, you know what? I'm just going to start a foundation for it also right in the middle of it. Sure and did. then when I had my first event, all y'all came. And that was just, you know, I don't know if I ever told you that. That was the, that was really how I was able to I I knew what I I knew what I wanted to be able to go do, but I didn't really know how I was going to be able to go do that. And I learned that from you actually. Oh. Thanks, yeah. Brother. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if I'd yeah. ever told you that. And, oh, and it was because you. because I was sitting there watching what you were doing for the African American community, you know, with like you said, without without like, hey, let's do this without being chips on shoulders and and, and defensive postures and stuff like that. Find a common ground, and you know, because the veteran community many times has a hard time assimilating into society, and so there's all these stereotypes on vets. You know, oh, they got PTSD. They're going to go shoot up something. Blah 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 blah. And uh, and so it was really funny as the some of the same stereotypes. Not not. Exactly, but very parallel stereotypes were very similar to what you experienced growing up and what you were doing with, 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 with the youth that I was like, hey, you know what? We, we, we kind of got the same issues going on on vets assimilating back into society. Bingo. And then that was when I was like, you know, it's time to put my money where my mouth is and just get this organization started. And then in January 2014, we had our first event yeah. and, uh, and, and it's been going since. But that's yeah, awesome. that was that's awesome. Jimmy. Yeah, you know yeah. it runs better now because I rolled off the board and I got people smarter than me. Well, that, you're a yeah. smart leader. Yeah, <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> you started. Right? You started. Have the excitement. Have the right team together and, and get then out you the get way. the hell out, man. Yeah, Paul Logan, go. But yeah, I mean, it was learning so much because you and I had just really interesting conversations, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that was also the value of like, you know, you you staying in Fort Worth on those class weekends where when we weren't studying, you know, E equals MC squared got divided by com for the whack of the finance, blah, 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 <laughs> that we could just sit there, relax, have a drink, and then just dive into conversations, you know, without worrying about what each, what each other might or might not think. Right. Right. And it was just, it was really cool, you know? And, and, and I do think that if society spent more time focusing, mm-hmm. doing that, then we would be better as a society. I agree. I agree. And, and those times were really, were really beneficial in my development because you said it. We, I intentionally, my intentions going into the, to the class 
get the get the degree, learn some things, expand my viewpoint on how I can better my business, take it back to my take it back to my neighborhood, right? But we spent time after class, particularly with with some beer. <laughs> Shouts out to Buffalo Brothers. And and it, and initially there were maybe six or seven of us going there at five o'clock and, and we, we said, well, you know what? We'll let tra I in my mind, I was letting traffic die down. So that by six six, it's a great justification. <laughs> I'll just I'll just drive. I'll go down I twenty with without without you know without issue. But those were times when I really saw how we all had similar grievances. The first common denominator was class. We're like, man, why are we still in class again? This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I thought I left this, and so I thought it was just me. I was like, oh, everyone feels. This pain. Okay, yeah. I can continue to discuss things. And then I started hearing some other common themes, family things, children, how they interact with their friends, how their how their jobs are impacting their their lives at home. And I resonated with a lot of those things. And I've never been vulnerable and open to discussions with people outside of my community like that in a personal level. And so that number started increasing where over half of our class every weekend we spent the next week that was our extended that was our extended class for the for the audience <laughs> really the reason Matt wanted to stay at my house on the weekends because we drink so much damn beer that was a long drive back to Dallas <laughs> <laughs> my house is five minutes away <laughs> exactly exactly that, that I was but, being safe and responsible but it was I mean and that's what and that's what uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I could I could spend an entire day talking about you know how much excitement this was, but I, 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 you I really want to dive into what one of the many things that you're doing right now because you're not just focused on the community you grew up in. You got a project going right now. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have multiple projects going, and 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 a lot of that is because one, um, I think it's really important to have economy of scale, right? If you want. In, in a capitalistic environment, which America is, we serve, we have a capitalism form of our economy, um, where you have to have some type of value or asset so that you can prosper here. You need to scale those communities. And so in Fort Worth, the historic Southside community, which is near and dear to my heart because my father, but you mentioned I was president, I was chair as well of the Dallas Black Chamber at one time. Well, my father was executive director of that organization in the 80s and 90s. And he always had a relationship with the Fort Worth Metropolitan Black Chamber of Commerce here uh, with uh, the, the, the late uh, DJ, the late and great Devoid D. Jennings. Um, he's a legend here in Fort Worth. And he really cared about his, his community. He cared about the African American community in Fort Worth, and he he died advocating for for this group. And so I would see them have parallels, uh, but there were there were no economic activity really happening at scale. And so uh, as I started my company MLH Enterprises, I initially started on the policy side, creating learning about how investors um, can create policy so that they can mitigate whatever costs, whether creating MMDs, MUDs, I don't want to go into the weeds of those things, in the state legislature so that uh, we can healthily build these economies um, through policy. And then developers caught, I, I caught the attention of some developers. One um, was Mike Hope, 
um, of Hope Global. Uh, he is a restaurateur. He owns the Wild Butcher, the Wicked Butcher, rather, that, that's the steakhouse that's here at Fort Worth, Wild Salsa. Um, but he, he started in the restaurant business um, building Dallas Fish Market and Dallas Chop House. And so he is developing, he wants to develop catalytic projects. And he won the bid for this Evans and Rosedale project. And he, he hired me to ensure not only the community can have a say in this in this development, but also to bridge the gap to make sure this makes sense and it does good um, to the community because it's important like that when you when you when you have those developments and so we're partnering with the city of Fort Worth we're partnering with the community historic Southside uh, neighborhood association business organizations there's Southside Southeast Fort Worth Inc there are uh, multiple organizations that historically have not had the opportunity for their businesses their business owners to really go uh, ramp up and, and scale their business and so what I want to do is ensure and let the Fort Worth community know, hey, the black community has a Fort Worth have has a business ecosystem that can that will benefit Fort Worth. And and, and by and, and by Southside, you're not talking about the west side of thirty five. No, not the so middle for, condition. So no. for audience right, members yeah. that are from Fort Worth it's thinking the east side of the east side exactly of thirty five because I thirty five well so going back to my days in the police department, right, mm-hmm. where both sides of the highway were extremely crime ridden and everything else, starting around to early two thousands, you started seeing people come up on the west side of Short South there, right, right? Mm-hmm. and developing re- rehabbing homes, and then now, I mean, it's like the hipster place yeah, to is. live. But when they started doing that, I thirty five seemed to serve as the economic equator line right you know kind of like you know the earth's got an equator line right right that was the equator the line, line exactly. right and like mm-hmm. almost a difference of you just cross under a bridge and it was significantly different right, right. and uh and going back to my time you know especially in the the 90s with the pd you know where i mean that man the, the the crime was extremely high over there drug wars gang wars whole nine yards i mean i, and that, I was on it we, we had what was called weed and seed, which was uh, federal funding to go and weed out the bad and try to seed in some economic development, mm. which I still think that more money was spent on the weeding out than there was the seeding Thank of you. Yeah, anything. We, we, yeah, that's another podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but I mean, literally, there. I mean, the crime was so heavy over there that we, we just, we'd literally spend all day kicking in doors. And it still, still didn't even at times feel like it moved the needle. Working, I can remember working and work, you know, in the area and having a, a a stabbing or a shooting or a homicide every single day. Sometimes all of them, mm-hmm. and it was just so to see that begin to happen because contrary, you know, a lot of people think is you know that that police officers, you know, and all that. You and I have had many conversations about that. Is I wasn't over there doing it for any other reason is I want, I wanted, I wanted to protect people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was really frustrating feeling like you weren't moving the needle on something for, for, you know, the non-criminal, you know, folks living over there. Right. And, and then, so now to see that development come in, that leaves a warm part in my heart because 
that's why we were over there doing what we were doing is because we wanted to protect the community. But you can't just go and arrest all the criminals and hope things get better. Bingo. That is not, that is not, is it a, a portion of the total solution? Yes. But is it the total solution? No way, no how. You got to have economic development, right? right. You got to give people an incentive to, you know, spend money in an area. And I don't mean just the development, but creating the development that creates avenues for people to come spend their money, whether it be retail or hotels or whatever the millions of things there are, right? And and also you have to provide an opportunity for people who have the capabilities to contribute to that economic ecosystem, right? Because what in black people, I, I want to talk specifically about blacks, and, and it's not as general, but there's a history, not only in Texas, but across the country, of either a lag or an exclusion in the economic process where we're not able to ramp our businesses up so that we can be the leaders of those communities so that they can have enough power or leverage not only to self-police, but to also be able to be in a place where they can, hey, team up with the police department so that it can be a more intrinsic space to, to create, to provide community. And when you don't have that economic piece, when they don't have those opportunities, we don't have those opportunities, we could be viewed as someone who is either um, a drain in the community, which will provide a mindset to individuals who are going into the community and not seeing people who are wanting to do well, who don't look like them, who don't have the empathy um, for that community because they just don't know, they don't understand, and they're, they're focused on their job. Police officers are focused on to serve and protect. But if you don't know what you're protecting, if you don't know the context as to in in trust or, or, or build with the community members or business owners who know who can help you navigate those things or have the means to do so, if we don't build those ecosystems so that they can partner with you, that's always an us versus them mentality. And so with this Evans and Rosedale project, we were being deliberate. We're, we're ensuring community. We want to make sure the community is aware of that. We want to make sure the business owners are aware so that Fort Worth are, it could be great. And, and it is great. It's a great town. This region is amazing. We just need to make, we need to actualize that. You know, what's funny is that was actually why I chose to get an MBA instead of getting a master's in criminal justice. Right. I remember this discussion, yeah. actually, also, oh, in yeah. our mental health program. Oh, yeah. And because, you know, there was, you know, some some talk like, you know, hey, you know, there's a future for you to, you know, climb the ranks and even be mm-hmm. deputy chief, and mm-hmm. but you need a master's degree. And I was like, you know, I've got the crime part down, right? I, I understand criminal justice. I live that every day. and But I always felt that the police department needed to have a better understanding and a better relationship with the development and business community. Right. Because all these and things the go, community too. Yeah. And, well. You know, to, mm-hmm. to go hand in hand. But I was like, I, I don't know a lot about business. Mm-hmm. And it, even in itself is a, is a language in itself. Right. Right. So that was that was one of the many primary drivers of why I chose to do an MBA, right? And and I and I I went in there even with an expectation and got even more than what I bargained for, 
Right. And, and it was funny, even when Kevin and I, we were talking, oh, this was Tuesday. It was just, this was Tuesday or Wednesday night. Yeah, it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, a couple nights ago, because he's out in North Carolina yeah. on, on some business stuff, and, and he was in his hotel, so he... I know he was bored, so he was like, oh, yeah, call, that means that's an hour long conversation. Oh, that just oh, happened. Mo, oh, like many of our conversations are so long, right? And, and uh, love you, Kev. It, we, it was funny because, you know, we were, we were, we were sitting here talking about, you know, these things. And also, you know, I was like, man, you know, I came in and knowing the value I got of TCU for the executive MBA program, if I would have known that then, what I know now, I would have been willing to pay double that I paid for the for the degree. Yeah, what, what was the saying? In our investment uh, was yeah. Friday ROI. Oh, cl- on class, class on Friday, Friday, Saturday ROI on Monday. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was, and, mm-hmm. and there was just so much more we got out of that. Well, let's yeah. talk about the development. So, what's that okay. development project look like? It's a twelve acre development. It's actually it was owned by the city of Fort Worth, and so it, they they we're in the process of of creating not only uh, multifamily, but also retail. We're creating an innovation district. If you would picture... For the, for, the audio, for, the, for the audience, talk about innovation district, kind of what that means. Okay. Innovation districts are spaces where we want to make ecosystems relevant for the future rather than just have box type um, businesses where normally uh, if, if a developer comes in and they want to create commercial real estate, they'll... They will construct a large building so people can drive in to work, in and out, go to work eight to five, drive out. Um, if they want to create residential districts, if they want to create residential spaces, apartments, they'll create separate apartments, things of that nature. Uh, we're creating a holistic uh, space where you have live workplaces, workspaces. We are incorporating the natural topography and the natural culture that's existing, the buildings, the infrastructure, and repurposing them so that we are not losing the essence of the community because what we don't want to do is tear things down, gentrify, and build things to, to erase legacies, right? Innovative districts are people or, or groups uh, and that that want to make things better, but want to ensure that Fort Worth understands the entire picture of the space and to welcome the existing community in. So we have retail at the bottom of our apartment complexes. Um, we'll, it's uh, approximately two, two buildings there, a grocery store. Um, that is, we don't want a huge box, 50,000 square foot grocery store because that we're still a business. That's not part of the economic model. But having a 20,000 square foot grocery store that provides healthy food choices in within walking distance uh, of a neighborhood that has historically been a, a food desert um, will, pro- will spark types, type of innovation um, that will provide healthy options, right? And then you're feeding that community. That community can see, oh, wow, I can not only eat great groceries, I can think of starting a business and I can rent one of these live workspaces that are lost. Let's imagine um, in the new day and age, instead of going into a corporate building, you can have a live workspace where you have this loft that's about 12 1,500 square feet. Your residences are in the back of the space, but you have a storefront where people can, can, you can provide services to people within, within a walkable space. And so we want to combine, we want to have live work play, um, spaces, uh, in this, in this, in this 12 acre area. 
So aside from the catastrophic things that COVID has caused, would you say COVID has also helped because the working environments have changed, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, as everybody hears me on the show, always talk about everything that's a blessing is also a curse. Everything that's a curse is also a blessing. So the curse Mm -hmm. of COVID changed the working environments, you know, to to levels that I don't think anybody really predicted except for I think a friend of mine across from me could have been an investor in Zoom and then called me afterwards and goes, I should have given my money into that thing. <laughs> not not trying to bring up some old words, but I remember you called me and you're like, man, you are not going to believe this shit right now. <laughs> you want me to go get some ice, put out those flames right there? No, uh, but no. but you know, but, I wish I wish we had that Malbec from Chile <laughs> in this mug. But but the the working environment's changed, right? Where yeah. where now it's you know having having folks like you who instead of looking at hey this thing could be a detriment to society, instead what can we learn from the current conditions of living in a pandemic where we can now utilize the new working environments to create even more opportunities. Innovate. I mean, this facility is an example of that. I mean, if you're on this floor in this studio, um, this is repurposed to have micro offices so that you can have a lot of flex opportunities. Um, Whereas probably 10 years ago, this space was probably cleared out for some corporation uh, to house hundreds of people. Um, But, Innovative thinkers, entrepreneurs, normally take disasters and catastrophes and make new opportunities. Yeah. And and the pandemic, depending on how you view it, right, you can, one, everyone is experiencing hurt and pain during this season. So I am not saying you are ignoring that. I'm not saying um, deny those the, that feeling, that spirit. But what are you going to do with that? Right. I, I call the pandemic limits. Right. You have this bitter thing um, that, that you have. You can either throw it out because you can feel that you can discard it or you can add water. You can add some sugar, stir it around, make a delightful drink, lemonade. Right. People, innovators, entrepreneurs, systems who are forward thinking are, are able to use this this pandemic to figure out how to provide a solution for the new society. And I think that's really important for leaders from all facets, all circles, um, to huddle up to understand how their communities can survive in this space. And I think as an entrepreneur, as a serial entrepreneur, um, that's vital for our livelihood. Because when you have innovation, you have livelihood. You have relevance, right? And so that's, that is this, this pandemic, man. Um, it's, it's tough. But this, it's an opportunity. Wherever there's a test, everyone have an opportunity for a testimony so that you can you can spread the word. Man, so when 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 the pandemic first started kicking off, and uh, as a matter of fact, I had just you know bought a, bought another house up in Colorado, mm-hmm. and we had just closed on it, and then days later, the globe Eesh. shuts down. And of course, I'm initially like. Oh, damn, man. And, you know, because I'm in real estate, so mm-hmm. I was like, secondary market's going to be the first thing to take it down. I was sitting there looking at that thing going, I'm getting ready to lose my shirt on this thing. And it actually, it was quite the opposite, right? Because it, 
the curse of nobody going to work for 90 days created a blessing in a few things that I saw, right? Well, actually, a number of things. One is it gave me the time. I've been so busy growing my businesses that now it gave me the time that you and I used to talk on a weekly basis. Yes, we did. And then life got in the way. Even even after class when you were doing your real estate things. I yeah. remember all these conversations. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, 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 but life got in the way. You were, you were building multiple things. I was building multiple things. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, but true friendship is you could go six months without talking to each other and then pick up the phone and, and I'd be like, hey, man, I want to tell you something funny. And you're like, oh God, what do you? What's coming out of your mouth, fan? <laughs> and then, uh, uh, but it would. But what the pandemic did is it forced the slowing down, right? Or as I like to say, that was that was God's way of saying, hey, time for everybody to slow down. And because now I had time where I could go, man, there's all these people that I I, I used to talk to all the time, but I've been so busy doing work stuff that I could pick up the phone and be like, hey. Man, what are you doing? How are things going? And then learning. Right. Right? Learning. Yeah. Like, hey, what are you seeing? What are you forecasting? And then something else happened that we hadn't seen since a very, very young age, which is parents out riding bikes with their kids and outside walking. Frit walking. What a minute. What's going on? As a matter of fact, like one matter of fact, I had a a, a client. That's a great uh, point, Jerry. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it it created I think what it did is it opened up the door to say, hey, we really missed community. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the Walsh development out west of Fort Worth, right? Mm-hmm. I'd have a lot of clients that were like, hey, what do you think about Walsh? And I'm like, man, you know, it's going to take a while to to develop. You know, this, I mean, that's a lot of space. I was and, say, it's a sprawling and, deal. rather. Than, yeah, yeah, you know, basically. so I wasn't a real huge fan of it, mm-hmm. right? And I had a client that was here looking at a house, looking at houses, couple years ago and then the military um sent him to another location and then he called me last week and said hey we're you know getting ready to retire i want to come back and he goes but i remember you saying he goes i got a lot of friends now that are living in walsh he goes but i remember you saying you weren't a fan of it i said oh my tune has changed on that because Walsh changed right the the walsh changed in that now they people wanted to flock there because they, they they when they got that that reminder of what it's like to watch your kids riding on bicycles and you don't have to worry about somebody snatching them in a rape van or anything else mm-hmm. in the middle of the night or, you know, being able to play ball and community and talking with your neighbors and barbecues and all that, that came back to light, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that changed things. And, and so in that first, in that first 30 days of, you know, reaching out to folks that I used to talk to on a weekly basis. And then now I had the time to start talking with again. I was like, man. And then, so then my, my ideas started looking and changing. And then that's when I said, you know what? There's going to be three types of people that, that deal with this pandemic. You've got folks that are going to say, Hey, I'm waiting for it to go back to normal. Well, that the, the, that normal does not exist. No, not not anymore, right? <laughs> it's not coming back. And then you had the folks that were just going to huddle down and say, "I'm going to see what happens." Bingo. And then you had folks like you and me that were like, "Here is the opportunity. It, the, it is anybody's game right now." It's the great. It was the great equalizer. Yeah, and hundred percent. Well, I, I, the pandemic was the the ultimate spotlight. Yeah, because. 
all of these, all of our challenges and our issues existed pre-pandemic, but everyone was so worried about their lane. If you're in business and you were thriving, like you were just, ins- you were trying to make sure you stayed, you kept your eye on the ball and kept things going. Well, whenever the pandemic occurred, you had to stop and reevaluate things. And when you were reevaluating, you also studied other spaces, right? Because you want to observe what other communities, what other pockets are doing. And you realize, oh, wait, this was under my nose. I've never seen it because I was steeped in this Excel spreadsheet and my numbers, my P&Ls of what I was doing. And now this is halted. And now I can realize I can change my business model to have a more sustainable uh, future. Like, what do you got to lose, right? Exactly. Because at this point, the old ways were not going to work. Like, it was kind of funny because, like, even in the span group, right, I, was, I, I told Laura, because they're, prior to the pandemic, I had a vision of how I wanted us to do business, but real estate can also be old and antiquated, mm-hmm. right? And people are like, oh, it's just not done that way. It's just not done that way. And I, and I was really frustrated because I they really- They told you that. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's, tell me. that's fuel for you, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know me. You know, I'm a, hey, that can't be done. Hold my beer. Watch this kind of person, you know. Mm-hmm. But but there was so much resistance. But I've also learned enough lessons to go, even though I want to prove that it can be done, if there's got to be a certain amount of acceptance rate before it's profitable. It makes sense. And so there was so much resistance that after the pandemic happened, and I said, hey, this is what I want to do. People are like, well, what's there to lose, right? And and exactly. and man, the like even at the end of this year, and or, or end of twenty twenty one, I did double the business that I did in twenty nineteen prior to the pandemic, right? And so I think that people that were successful in a post pandemic world were in the people that were in the latter category that I was talking about. You and I were talking about. They weren't. Hey, things are going to go back to normal. They're not the, hey, I'm going to huddle down and see what happens. They were the, hey, it's time to go make some change, Mm -hmm. right? And the folks that have, and we're seeing it, the folks that focus it, focused, focus it. That's okay. This is your podcast. You can say whatever you want. I can make up whatever word I want, right? (laughs) Say focus on, hey, let's go do something different. Those are the ones that you're seeing that are having great gains Mm -hmm. right now, right? And it was. like There was people that were like, man, you're – your idea of doing things that way, I mean, that, that just seems nuts. And uh, to the point where now I'm almost two years into doing that, I actually had another broker reach out. Because I wasn't quiet about how I did it. I was like, hey, this is how I do business. And, and I haven't heard of any other broker doing this th- this way. And then my culture index guy reached out and he, and, and he said, hey, I got a broker that um, – is interested in kind of doing things the way you do it, do you mind talking with him? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I was on the phone with him yesterday. His name is Jared. And uh, and, and I said, yeah, this is, this is what I do. This is how I do it. And he goes, how's it work for you? And I was like, well, why don't I just show you my bank account and we'll let that speak for that, right? Or if that's not good enough, how about I give you the phone numbers to the 100 people that I just closed in 2021 and ask how their experience was. That you know, audience is called a flex. That's it, Go baby. Ahead. Go and, ahead, and Jerry. He goes, and he was like, I feel like I have no choice but to write the check to go do what you're mm-hmm. doing. And I was like, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. And uh, and so I, I think we will see 
more people in this industry doing things different because the ones that don't, because I, I do think that with the real estate industry, with technology, how we're incorporating technology into it, not a false technology like a Zillow technology that says they have technology. All it is is an online MLS system. That's mm-hmm. all it is, mm-hmm. is you, you, you will see that 80% of people in the real estate industry will become irrelevant and not have a job. Mm. That 20% that, that are doing like what we're doing right now will be the ones that will not only survive, but thrive through that. Right. That's, that's a great point that you, that you brought up because in innovation and opportunity, there is, there are, you know, efficiencies, right? And so people who like, like you and you and I, who care about improving systems, but also loving people have some type of, have, have a a problem that we face. Um, We want to employ people. We want to ensure communities and people who we care about have jobs and are relevant, but in our business mind that was, that we, that we taught through Neely, we understand inefficiencies in the technological space, there's going to have to be cuts. And so we have to kind of figure out and balance how that happens. So, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Man, so I, I, I couldn't agree more, right? And, you know, but it just, like, but even when I was talking to the broker, I said, look, and he's just like, man, you make it sound really, really easy. And I said, well, here's what you have to understand is you're going to go do something completely different than all your clients have ever experienced. Mm-hmm. So you also have to have an acceptance rate of people that you're going to lose along the way, right? Because they're just not going to get it or they're going to resist it or any of that. And I said, so don't just think you're going to spike through the roof automatically. Have some realistic expectations that some people are not going to understand this, but the ones that do understand it are going to help other people come in more of like, hey, look what this person's doing, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's always that um, skepticism in things, right? And it's because it's the unknown, right? It's that fear or that confusion. Which is a real it. thing. It's, it is. That's a real thing. 100%. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because not everybody's designed like you and I, where if somebody's got an idea or something, we're like, hey, we're curious by it. Yeah, like, I'll hey, let's build, let's build a layer now, right? <laughs> Matter of fact, let me see if I can put some holes in it so that way you can go plug those holes in. It's even better for you. Bingo. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and so so there's, but you're not, you have to acknowledge that you're not all, also dealing with folks that, that think like you do, Right? So you've got to have that reality check and going into it. But if you believe it, then you, you and I told him, I was like, if you believe it, then you got to stick with it because it, you're always going to have the haters out there, right? That means you're doing something right. Right. And, and you just got to ignore, ignore, ignore the noise, right? Ignore the noise. Stay hyper-focused. There's something I always say on these, these shows is plan your path, ski your path, mm. Right. And stick to it because if not, you know, you got people that want to derail you, right? And, and, and you know, there's, there, believe it or not, this is not a world where everybody's just lovey, right? You really? Got, yeah. Huh. You got people that don't want to see you succeed, right? And, 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 it's, and the thing is, is I, I used to think it was because maybe somebody had something personal against me. That's why they didn't want to see me succeed. What it is, is they just live a miserable life. They're not successful, and the last thing they want to see or be related to is somebody who's successful because all that do, does is Show force out. them to shine more light on themselves of how they're not being successful when all they got to do is have a real conversation in the mirror 
Because the only person stopping them from being successful is them, right? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. No, nothing right? is easy. Nothing no. worthwhile no. is easy. You know, and, and and that's why that's why it takes like great leaders like yourself to be able to go and say, "Hey, look, it can be done. Look at me. I am a product of being able to go do this." Yeah, are there going to be some barriers that you might have that somebody else doesn't have? Hey, look, you're a black male and your competition is a white male. Yeah. There, there will probably be some stereotypes and everything in there. Mm-hmm. Are you just going to pick up your ball and go home and say, well, I don't want to go play? No. Hey, look, you might have to work twice as hard, right? So it was like this. is uh, I remember a, a, a guy in my unit, is a black male, and he you know, people would go, hey, who's your best swimmer? And I was like, fastest swimmer or strongest swimmer? Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, there's a difference. And he said, why? And I was like, well, fastest is this guy. But I said, the strongest Wallace over here is a black male. And he said, why? And I was like, well, because of bone density and just right. things by thinking. genetics, when he goes in the water, he goes down like a darted rhino, yeah. right? <laughs> He's working twice as hard in the water than the rest of us. And I remember this guy was like, like, like appalled that I said this. And Wallace looked at him and goes, he ain't lying. Yeah. He goes, man, I got to kick twice as much, twice as hard and everything else. Mm -hmm. He was willing to do the work to be a part of a successful team. And stay comparable with the team. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And the thing that was funny about it is he had people like me that were the ones that pointed out he was working twice as hard as everybody else. Right? That that is what people who are historically disenfranchised hope we yeah. don't. People don't want a leg up. People want to be acknowledged and under and want the light shine on their particular space, yeah. so that people can have better context. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is, it just you, you you acknowledge that hard work and go look. You might have to work twice as hard, or I don't know. Being Jeremy Spann, dropping out of high school at seventeen, couldn't read. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Guess what? Knock down a book a week now. Did, did I get there overnight? No. Was it hard? Yes. Right? But I, I, I had to work harder, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to allow me having to work twice as hard on something to be a barrier of me to attain something I wanted to be able to do, mm-hmm. such as reading. Something as simple right. that we take for granted, such as reading. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so that's, those are the things that are really interesting that if we spent... And this is why I don't watch me. My, my family, my family was up uh, for Christmas up in Colorado, right? And my mother-in-law, bless her heart, you know, she's in her seventies, and I guess all they do is sit around and watch the news. Well, I don't have TV. I mean, I've got a TV. Right. I just got Apple, like you can watch Netflix right. or Hulu. I was like, she was like, why don't you have the news? I was like, I don't watch the news. And it, and she was like, how do you keep up with what's going on? I was like, well, there's this thing called the internet. Right. And I was like, and I've got my particular news sources that I go to because I try to look for unbiased things. Right. right? And I was like, I don't want to watch the news. And she was just like, why don't you want to watch the news? And I was like, well, it's just all propaganda and commentary that says, hey, this is our audience. So we're going to shape our conversation for this audience. It's a program. Right. It's programming. Right. Right. (laughs) And I'm just like, so I don't want to watch that crap. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's a waste of my time. And so, and so I had to hear it for five days. Can you find some news? Can you find some news? I was like, I don't want to watch the damn news. That's the reason I don't have cable TV up here. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like, I, I, you know, if I need to research and look at something and if I read an article and I go, 
I don't know a lot about this topic. I can go research, right? right? Exactly. Or if a, if the article seems skewed, I can go find other articles that give, you know, balance, imbalance balance. that, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Try to disqualify it. And, and then, because I do think that, the you know, what how, how the media is, it's entertainment, right? The media is entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, and, and to me, entertainment, like the media is what, it, it aggravates the the division within folks, right? I'm like, hey, how about how about going and doing a little research yourself and just listening, being told what you want to hear, or just agreeing with someone because y'all are in the same category of something. Like I always wanted. I mean, that's what you and I would do. Is I was like, hey, you know, prove me wrong on this, not because I, it was a challenge. I was because I wanted to learn. Bingo. Yeah, and, let me learn that. And we were both so confident and comfortable in our own skin. That you're not yeah. going to sway me. No. I'm still going to believe yeah. what I believe, but what I want out of the discussion is to refine some data points to either prove my point or if I'm wrong, let's adjust yeah. so that I can make that point more relevant. Thing called perspective. Come on now. Yeah. That's it. So now that I hear you say correctly, you're doing some professor. I am. I am lecturer of business management at the University of North Texas at Dallas. Uh, I'm I'm honored to not only teach leadership and entrepreneurship uh, to to upper class students uh, at UNT Dallas, but I am also creating the social entrepreneurship track. I'm doing a little bit of research. Talk, Talk more about that. So UNT Dallas is the first public institution in the Dallas city limits. Now, there are colleges at, in Dallas. There's the SMU in University Park, Highland Park. There's University of Dallas, which is a private institution in Irving, Dallas area. There's UT Dallas, right? There, there's Paul Quinn College. That's a private HBCU um, in Dallas. But there was not a public school in the city limits of Dallas that students uh, can can go to um, that's affordable, um, that is quality, not only education, but also a research um, institution, but also programmatic spaces where community members can lean into. If you're in Austin, uh, you don't have to be a UT graduate, but you know the culture of the Longhorn culture in Austin. If you're in college, Bryan College Station, you know what's going on. You may not be an Aggie, but that that institution allows a pipeline and aspiration for your kid to know. Okay, after high school, I go to college, and I was I, I'm honored to to be a part of this faculty thanks to Neely because having a master's degree and me being so vocal, I actually Bob Mung, who is currently the president, his first month or so on the job, uh, I was president of the Dallas Black Chamber. And he reached out to community leaders and he asked, well, is there anything I could do to help help you? I said, well, what are you going to do to help our community? Because I grew up five minutes from this school. And what programs and things are you going to provide for black and brown students in here? Because there I was fortunate. I was fortunate to have I was a Bill Gates millennial scholar. I was able to get a free ride to go to SMU. My friends did not have that opportunity, right? How can you help them? How can you help their families? And he said, huh, that's interesting. You want to teach? I said, oh, I've never taught like this before. <laughs> okay. I wasn't the best college student. I mean, I just, but but it's, it, 
that opportunity allowed me not only to teach, in which I'm teaching today, but also allowed me to create programs and initiatives um, that the community can can be a part of. So that not only the brand of UNT Dallas is expanding, but now we have kids uh, who are in middle school and high school that can say, okay, Mr. Matt or Professor Houston or uh, my dad who, who grew up with Matt, uh, I now know a professor in my social circle um, that that could be a potential um, route for me. And it's just an honor to be in that space. And it's, it's an honor for me. I've always believed in giving back. I, in group excellence, I was a tutor. I was a tutor to elementary, middle, and high school students. Um, in MLH Enterprises, I specifically created programs. Um, and I, I believe my first major project um, was uh, teaming up with KIPP DFW and taking 15 uh, uh, South Dallas and Southern Dallas Oak Cliffite eighth graders to South Africa for two weeks. That was in the middle of our grad program. I don't know if you even knew that, but... I remember it. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, well, because I missed class. <laughs> uh, Suzanne Carter remembered that because I had a, I had a good talking to after one. <laughs> but um, but I always had a passion to give back in education. And this was a way that to make my mom happy because she always felt I should, be a t- I should have been a teacher. I've always wanted to... Uh, on my own destiny. I've always wanted to have the economic freedom to do what I wanted. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I mean, aside from all the rewarding benefits and feel good you get out of it, what's your, like, what's your favorite part? Like, aside from like, just the reward. To be honest with you? Yeah, the favorite part. Outside of learning the new generation, the new culture, and realizing I am a part of the old culture, right? <laughs> right. I love, I could talk to people and they have to listen. Like, it's great. It's great. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Like, that feeds my ego in such a healthy way because everyone has an ego. Yeah. Uh, but it's really to have a communication with college students to learn from them. Like to to learn and and for the last two years I've been teaching since 2017 was uh, as an adjunct um, and I and I was a visiting professor at the University of Oklahoma I've taught several classes there but um, in 2019 I became full time faculty and and during this pandemic um, it's really challenging right we're we're teaching via Zoom right. But hearing people's perspective, hearing students' perspectives, hearing what type of businesses they want to start and getting a, a LinkedIn message saying, hey, thank you for the class. I started my real estate business and I'm doing this. It's awesome. In fact, one of my students messaged me yesterday. I have a client, a real estate client who is uh, building multifamily uh, units uh, and it's a 10 acre lot. And I found out one of my students, and there's a, a slither, it's about a half acre slither that's a commercial zone. I'm going really deep in these weeds, but it would be, it's positioned at, it's at catacorner to our, our project, and it's the hard corner. I found out one of my students is the leasing agent, uh, for, for that lot. And just having the connectivity of, of people and building relationships and investing, um, in the future so that they can, Think and remember you and say, hey, remember what you taught me in entrepreneurship? Thank you. Now my family can eat. Now I have, um, I'm in my kids, I, I, I am like a, a person that they look up to. 
And that is the greatest, that's actually the greatest feeling of all. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So I like to in-cap all these. I'm going back to 20-year-old self, and I know we tell okay. ourselves mm-hmm. a gajillion things. But if you knew 20-year-old Matt Houston would only listen to one thing, what would you and be willing to do or don't do that one thing? Because I actually had someone go, hey, on September 12, 2006, stay home that night. <laughs> I, I have a couple of those. Yeah. But if you could go back and, and, and actually – like, hey, what what is that one thing that you could go back and say, hey, 20-year-old Matt, just this one thing will help change leaps and bounds for you? What would you say that is? 20 years ago, I was so insecure with what I believed in um, that I really had a facade, right? There, there, were two, there were two mats. There was the mat that I projected. And then it was the mat that was scared, right? And I just wanted to uh, tell that person, that 2002 mat, go boldly. I'm like, it's okay. It's all right to fail. Because at that in that season, I didn't want to fail. I didn't, I had a mindset to not mess up. Because in my neighborhood, in my community, if you mess up, you'll have negative consequences. And that mindset, though it was key for survival, it's not healthy to thrive. And so I, I want I want that Matt Houston to say, no, I'm going to make mistakes and it'll be all right. Because if I make large mistakes, I'll have bigger lessons learned and I'll have more opportunities after that. And then my trajectory will exponentially grow. Um, in those in those 20 years, maybe I would have sold a company for six billion dollars instead of whatever I sold we sold group excellence for right or I would have done things even harder and I would have had international exposure instead of national exposure uh, but that was that's what I wanted to tell them just go it's all right be bold man sound advice from someone I highly respect same here a bro. lot a lot of wisdom so people want to learn more okay. about Matt Houston where do they go how do they find you you can find me on my social Instagram uh, at Mr Matt Houston MR Matt Houston altogether um, I am newly on TikTok uh, which is Matt Houston unplugged you can find me there I have a YouTube channel um, please search me at Matt Houston you can find me on LinkedIn Facebook uh, or go to on my website, www.mlhenterprises with an S dot net. What, what's, what's the name of your new baby going to be? Ah, you know, we, we're still, we're, we're still, we're still discussing. I, we want to have eyeballs on them, right? Because it's not going to be Matt Jr. We're not going to have a Matthew Jr. I don't want to, to, to curse that baby like that. I want them, I want, I want that child to go boldly into this into this new space. And so uh, we'll see. I, I think my res- I, I know the amount of uh, say I have in this. And whatever little say I do, I want to capitalize and focus on it, right? Maybe it's two letters out of the name uh, <laughs> that, I, that I could actually have ownership of. But, but my, my wife and I, um, we've been discussing names. And, and, and this, it, this that in itself is an exciting journey. And so we'll see when he comes out. Well, if you can't agree on a middle name, 
I hear Span is a fantastic middle name. Okay. Or Spanches. Okay, that's fine. Good deal. Yeah, we, we, that, we'll take that into consideration. Right. 